I saw a dad who, who every morning when I got up, he was already at work. I, I could see the dimples of his elbows in the chair. It was one of those vinyl chairs that the dimples stay for a couple years. And, and, and the dimples in the chair that he had been there on his knees that morning praying for the family. I could go on and on and on. There was no question that dad was an example of holiness. That the spiritual disciplines affected every part of his life. Dads, that changed my life. That had a profound impact on me. And so when Paul says, you are witnesses in God also, how holy, he's talking about doing the things that we should do as believers. Putting it into practice. Not playing the game of Christianity, not being inconsistent, but living for God in every area. Dads, I challenge you today, don't leave the spiritual stuff to your wives. Don't leave that to your wives. Stand up and be counted and lead in this area. Pray with your children. Read God's Word together. Do that with your wife as well. Your kids are judging Christianity by your life. By your life. Set an example in your everyday conduct is the next point. First point was setting an example by being devoted to spiritual things. As we go on, set an example in your everyday conduct. The next word in verse 10, how holy and righteous. And the idea of righteous there is putting into practice God's commands in every other area of life. So holy is the spiritual area and making sure we're practicing the spiritual disciplines. This has to do with everyday conduct. Am I living rightly? A word that you could use here would be integrity. Am I a man of integrity? How do you live life? How do we measure up to God's standards in our conduct? And we could say there's no way we can measure up to God's standards in our conduct. And you're right, we can't. We, we fall and we sin. But do we have a life that is characterized by being honest, by being, being righteous, by being men of integrity. So this is a, an instruction by Paul to live in a way that is faithful and consistent. To ask, our, our, ask questions, do our kids see compromise or do they see honesty? Do they see that we love one another or do they see that we criticize others when we're away from them? Do they see us use one set of words and one set of attitudes while we're at church in that box or do they see us at home in another box completely change? How we treat family. If we're to disciple our children, we need to have our conduct be an example. Conduct of integrity. Finally, the third word there is blameless. Holy, dealing with our, our putting into practice our Christianity. Righteous, having it affect every other area of life. And blameless, we need to set an example by being above reproach. Set an example by being above reproach. That no one has anything against us. That your family can't come to you and say, Aha! Because your family knows, don't they? Family knows every weakness, every fault. And what this isn't saying again is that we should never sin. But dads, when we do blow it, we come back to our family and we, we confess and we ask for forgiveness. And then we are blameless because they don't have anything that they are holding against us. 
Men, if we're to disciple our families, we've got to let go of our egos. And we've got to be willing to get on our knees and say, I blew it. Forgive me. Because you're teaching repentance. You are teaching confession. You are teaching a soft heart spiritually rather than a hard-hearted stubbornness. All of these are under being an example. That dads disciple by being an example of how to live. I love a quote by, by one Christian writer. Boys become men by watching men. By standing close to men. Manhood is a ritual passed from generation to generation with precious few spoken instructions. Passing the torch of manhood is a fragile, tedious task. If the rite of passage is successfully completed, the boy become man is like an oak of hardwood character. His shade and influence will bless those who are fortunate enough to lean on him and rest under his canopy. First point Paul makes, dads, is that we're to be an example. To be an example. To be such that our, we can walk through the snow figuratively and our kids can follow our footsteps and know where to walk. The same is true of discipleship in the church. If any of us are to disciple in the church, if we're to minister, the, the first thing that we need to look at is what kind of example am I going to set? If they imitate me, like our, the song said, if they imitate me, will they be imitating Christ? That's a sobering question to ask, but one that every one of us should ask. A lot of you have asked about, well, am I qualified to disciple? And, and we focus on, well, am I educated enough? The point isn't, are you educated enough? The point is, is your example one of godliness? That's the primary qualification for discipling. And that's something that can start today. It can start with a choice. Teach by how you live. Let what you say match that then. In 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16, Paul says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Be imitators of me. So dad's disciple by being an example of how to live. Let's read on in the text. Verse 11. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. Next point in your notes. Dad's disciple by being personally involved in each of their family's lives. Dad's disciple by being personally involved in each of their family's lives. Did you catch what, what Paul said there in verse 12? We exhorted... Each one of you. Each one of you. And in the Greek, that's actually emphasized and doubled for emphasis. Each one of you individually. It's an odd thing for Paul to be saying here and comparing it to fatherhood, but what he's saying is a father takes individual time with his family, with each member of his family. See, it's so much easier to stand back and just give general instructions and not have to be personally involved with anyone's life, isn't it? That's safer. I don't have to get emotionally involved. I don't have to expose myself. Just go do this, everybody. Paul's like, that's not even how you minister. 
It's not how you minister. It's about the people. It's about the contact with people, the individual time together. Dads, seek out your families. Seek out the individual members of your family. Go on dates with your wife. Go on daddy dates with your kids. It's great to do things as a family, but you need some individual time that you then can get to know where they're at, where they're at in their love for God and their understanding of the Gospel, where they're at with their hurts and with their dreams, and then you can come into their lives and and speak truth and speak vision and speak hope and encouragement. If we don't have those private conversations those times where we are focusing on the individuals, we will not disciple our families. We will not disciple our families. Down at the bottom of that section, I have a phrase there, discipleship focuses more on people than tasks. Discipleship focuses more on people than tasks. And it's so easy as we get the pressures of life to, to focus on tasks. Well, I have this schedule and I have to get these things done so I have to move people through or I can't spend the individual time with people and that is not godly. We disciple when we individually get involved in lives. When we individually get involved in our families' lives. Dads, I challenge you. I challenge you to evaluate how well you know each member of your family whether or not you're taking the time to disciple at home. I challenge us as a church, are we willing to put people first? Are we willing to get involved in messy situations and in lives and to encourage and to disciple? G. Brooke Adams kept a diary of his boyhood. One special day when he was eight years old, he wrote in his diary, went fishing with my father. We got a lot of fishing stuff this morning. Went fishing with my father, the most glorious day of my life. Throughout the next 40 years of his life, he never forgot that day he went fishing with his father. He made repeated references to it in his diary, commenting on the influence of that day of his life. Brooks' father was an important man. Charles Francis Adams, U.S. Ambassador to Great Britain under the Lincoln Administration. Interestingly, his father kept a diary as well. And on the day of the fishing trip, he wrote just one phrase, two phrases. Went fishing with my son, a day wasted. And he never knew the impact that it had on his son for the rest of his life. Because he's thinking tasks and I have things to do and, and people to see and places to go. And that day that was wasted was influential in the forming of his boy into a man. Described as the most glorious day of my life. Man, I think about that with my boys. With my daughter. When they want me to throw a ball around. When they want me to go outside or when they want me to see their Legos crashing all over the table. A moment of time for me might be a glorious time for them in discipleship. I can't think of it as wasting time. Men, love your families. Be involved in their lives. Waste time with them. And you won't be wasting time. Dad's disciple by being personally involved in each of their family's lives.
Third point, we get into the phrases that Paul uses in verse 12 there. Dad's disciple by stepping up to be the trainer. Dad's disciple by stepping up to be the trainer. In verse 12, we see three different things that he says a father is doing, like a father with his children. The first word there is, we exhorted each one of you. We exhorted each one of you. Some of your translations might say encouraged here. Some of them use that for the second word. But the the idea of this first word is the idea of strongly urging and admonishing. When you exhort somebody, you are saying, you are on the wrong path, you need to go this way. Or you say, this is what you should do. And so there's, there's an element of truth there, there's an element of teaching there. We exhort you. He agrees. <laughs> and in, in all of these things out of verse 12, there are ways that dads, we use our words to disciple our family. First verse in, in verse 10 was how we use our example. Now how do we use our words? And this is about taking leadership in the training and discipline in our home. Taking leadership in the training and discipline in our home. Dads, again, don't leave this for your wives. It's not that they're not partners in it and part of the process, but when it comes to exhortation, dads, it's time that we all step up to the plate. And we say, this is what is right, and this is what is wrong. Now, that's assuming we're personally involved in our family's lives. These all build on each other. But if we have that relationship, we carry a God-given authority that those words mean something powerful. The idea of exhorting is to say, come alongside with me and walk this way. And so it's, it, I think of it as a picture of when, when I'm walking with one of my kids and they, they start to stray. And sometimes I'll go over to them and I'll just put my arm around them. Maybe our arm over their shoulder, and I just pull them tight. I walk this way. Where are they going? They're going where I want them to go, where they need to go. But it's not through picking them up and throwing them that way or whatever. It's coming alongside and exhorting them and saying, this is the path of godliness. This is where God would have you go. Dads, I challenge you to step up and be the trainer. To be the one that's willing to have the tough conversations. Protect your wives in that way. Protect your families. But let's not let our children raise themselves. Let's come in and say, this is what God's Word says. Paul says, we exhorted each one of you. Fourth point there, fourth way dad's disciple is dad's disciple by being a constant encourager. By being a constant encourager. And this is the balance to the exhortation. The next word Paul uses, and, and we encouraged you. We encouraged you. And, and this word does mean more what we think of as encourage. It means to cheer up. To be tender. To console. You're like, okay, which is it? Do we exhort or do we encourage? Yeah. Paul often uses those two concepts together because one balances the other out. Dad's disciple, by being a constant encourager, that means a word of tenderness, a word of comforting to the faint-hearted. Now, for us to do this as fathers, for us to do this as disciples in the church, that means we have to notice 
when there's need for a word of encouragement. We have to be involved enough in each individual life to know when that, that look on the face means there's discouragement, to know when it means, I, I don't know what to do. You know that with your kids, don't you? You can see it in their eyes. You can see when a word crushes them or when an incident crushes them. And dads, what Paul is saying here is a dad, one of his roles is to be that encourager, to be tender, to connect not only on an instructional level, but to connect with our children on an emotional level. Now, wait a minute, that might be going too far. That's what the word means. Are we compassionate? See, kids are sensitive to whether dad is proud of them or mad at them. They're, they're, they're especially sensitive to that because studies have shown that most of the time our, our children's self-image and self-esteem, their ability to try things, their ability to, to branch out often comes from their relationship with their father and the, the stability that a father has given, the encouragement that a dad has given, the encouragement that says, you know what, just try it. I'm going to love you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to be with you. But just go ahead and try it. Try this project. You want to build something in the garage? Okay, let's go build it. Let's try it. And be an encourager. Be a support. Same is true of discipleship. In a church, one of the roles of discipleship is to provide pastoral care for each other. To provide that encouragement. As we pursue discipling relationships, those people that we're in discipling relationships with, on every Sunday and every time we see them, we should look at their faces. And we should think, how are they doing today? How can I encourage them? Paul, in defending his ministry, says, we exhorted, but we also encouraged. We came alongside and supported you. I love the story of a father and son that were working on a driveway removing some old asphalt and, and using the tools to do that. They, they were getting tired, and sometimes when you're tired, the hammer doesn't quite swing where you think it should. At one point, his son just pounded his finger with the hammer right on top of the chisel. So so son jumped up in agony, holding back tears as he ran for ice. Dad realized no one was in the house, so he ran in, jumped up, and helped him. Son's just in agony, in pain. Dad's trying to calm him down, and he gets some ice, and you need to put it in ice, and pain was too much. So the dad said, here, let's put our hands in together. Put our hands in together. Took his son's hand, and they put it in the ice. Every few minutes, they'd pull it out and try to get some feeling back, and then, then put it in the ice. That's a dad that took the role of being an encourager seriously you can bet that that had a profound impact on his son. After about 10 minutes, the son started to feel better. And all he said, and men, you'll understand how much this means, he said, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I get choked up. Because I, I love it when my kids say that. Glad you're here. And Paul says that's the role of a dad, that's a role of a discipler, that's a role of a minister, is to be that encourager. Fifth point, dads disciple by challenging their family to a high godly vision for their lives. 
Dads disciple by challenging their family to a high, godly vision for their lives. We read that last phrase of verse 12, We charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Let me read that again. And charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Think about when you charge someone with something. This isn't a mild, mild, oh, I think you, this might work out. A charge is an urgent plea and it's casting a vision. And one of the roles of dads is to think big picture and cast vision for our family. To take our sons and our daughters and say, this is how God might be using you. This is what God is doing in your lives. Dads, we speak the words of God to our children when we do that. We speak value. We help them see their potential in Christ. We set the tone for what God might do. The word there for for challenge, or or rather in, in the verse itself, charge, is the idea of bearing witness and affirming and imploring. Of saying, I've seen this and this is what God is doing in your life. It's leadership. It really, what we're talking about is leadership. Dad's providing direction for their family. Dads, you have a unique role in that you can inspire your children to incredible things for God. To live worthy of God. Man, that phrase is, is, is convicting. Urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. And calls there actually is in the present tense instead of past tense. We have been called, but here Paul is saying you are still being called to serve God and to be in His kingdom. And Paul is saying that's what we challenged you to do. We challenged you to live for God in all areas. To raise the bar And dads, this is a take the mountain moment where we come to our kids and say, let's take the mountain. Let's take the hill. Let's accomplish this. Speak words to your family that raise the bar, that affirm. Finally, the last point, dads disciple by teaching God's Word. Dad's disciple by teaching God's Word. This is probably the one we think of first when we think of dads discipling their family. Interestingly enough, it's the last one that Paul mentions. Not that it's not important, but because he's trying to set a tone for how their lives ministered and discipled. In verse 13, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. A couple of key phrases there. Which you heard from us. Which you heard from us. Paul is saying, we, we, we didn't just leave you abandoned, we spoke God's Word to you. And dads, as the fathers and the spiritual leaders of their home, we speak God's Word to our families. We are to teach God's Word, to instruct them out of God's Word. What I love about the verse is, is what Paul says about their acceptance of it. You accepted it not as the word of men, but as, as what it really is, the word of God, 
which is at work in you believers. The power of speaking God's Word in our homes, of teaching God's Word in our homes, cannot be underestimated. Now this is a whole package. Because if we just teach God's Word and don't do the other five, we don't teach God's Word. And so what Paul is getting at here is in his ministry, just like a father does when we are an example of godliness, when we are individually involved in our kids' lives, when they know that we care, when we are willing to exhort, when we are willing to encourage, when we cast a vision, when all of those things are true, the power of teaching God's Word is multiplied exponentially. What an incredible role dads have and opportunity dads have. Fathers, it's Father's Day. And you are vitally important in your homes. You make a difference in leadership. You make a difference in the spiritual tone of your homes. I challenge you this morning. Evaluate your example. Evaluate your words. Evaluate your care for your family. And let's commit together to take this hill and to be godly men that change our families for Christ. As a church, to apply those same things to how we disciple one another in the church. For every one of us. To care and genuinely care about each other. To set examples that others can follow. To speak God's Word clearly. To not abandon God's Word. Because as we do that as a church, lives will grow in Him and lives will be radically changed. Thank you, fathers, for your role. For how many fathers I see at Village that are stepping up and saying, I will lead my house. As for me and my home, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, I pray for the fathers here. I pray for dads here as there's so many pressures to to close the box of family or to close the box of leadership or close the box of spiritual things and just retreat into our own little world. Lord, I pray that we would not be men that do that, but we would men that stand and would be counted for You, that would lead our homes. Lord, I pray for the families that are here that they would encourage and be supportive of their dads as they do that. That they would marvel at the role that You have given them and equipped them to do. Lord, I pray that as we disciple one another, we would take these principles from how a dad disciples his family and disciple our church family in that way. Lord, may we be a church of men of God that are training a next generation to follow. Thank you for the men here, for the discipleship already happening, for the iron that is already sharpening iron. May we nurture that and see what you will do when we follow your word. In Jesus' name, amen.